We'll be in John chapter 8, verses 12 through 59 today. It says in verse 12, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Father, we open up your word this evening. We thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, that you're faithful to speak to us every single week that we meet and gather in your name. Lord, we know that sometimes we're not expecting you to speak, and yet you still speak to us, not because of anything that we do, but because of your own grace, that you see us as disbelieving, doubtful people, and though we doubt, you still pursue us anyway. And so, Lord, we pray that you give us the ability to believe the things that you say. Lord, if there's anyone here that is lost, we know that you're not concerned about how many might be found, but you are concerned about those people that are, that are lost and you want to bring them into your kingdom. So we pray, Lord, that you meet us here tonight. In, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we're, we've been going through the book of John, we're, what we're seeing is Jesus isn't concerned about numbers. Even in our youth group here, no matter how many people actually show up, that's not my concern. I'm not concerned about how many people show up here on a Friday night. I'm concerned about who's willing to receive what God is teaching to them. You can only pour so much into to one person. And if there's a person that just comes here and just like, oh, whatever, I just don't really care. It's just going to sap your time. Jesus saw those people as distractions and obstacles. And so what we're going to read here is an argument between the, the Jewish leaders of the day and Jesus himself. And normally you look at an argument like, who wants to read an argument? Why is this in the Bible? Like, why, why do we want to just talk about an argument that Jesus has with some Jewish leaders? Well, it's very important that we know who is on the opposite side and what Jesus has to say about those people. Because you might be here today thinking you are a follower of Jesus, and yet you are not. And yet you are one of those Pharisees, one of those hypocrites. Now, I'm not talking to those people that are just like, oh, maybe that's me. Because that's good. That's a good sign. That means you're alive. You have the Holy Spirit within you. I'm talking about those people that are like, this couldn't be me. Pshh. I'm the person that like, think of all the things that I've done. And the fact is you're basing your relationship on Jesus on your works and not on your faith in believing in him. That's exactly what the Jewish leaders did. Jesus was never concerned about the numbers. In fact, he said things that were offensive, and he's going to offend these Jewish leaders today in this passage as well. Because he, he wasn't so concerned about the number of people that are going to chase after Jesus. Remember the rich young ruler who Jesus says, go and sell all that you have. He wasn't saying it to everybody. He was saying it to that ruler because that was his idol keeping him from uh, following after God. And after he started departing sorrowful and, and left Jesus, Jesus didn't be like, oh wait, come back. Oh no, that's, yeah. No. He didn't pursue him because that guy made the willful decision to turn away from God. God's not going to waste his time chasing after the people that will not accept him in the end, but he pursues the lost. Keyword, the people that are looking to get to their destination yet don't know where to go. So maybe that's you today. Maybe you are lost. Not a person who's running away, but you're trying to find your way back to God, and yet you're finding it very, very, very hard. 
Jesus went to seek and save that which was lost. So there is good news for you today. Whatever you're feeling inside your heart, you feel a distance. Maybe you've never had a relationship with him. Maybe you've had a relationship, but you're wondering where he is. There is good news for you today, and that is that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. What do you mean by that? Well, he's speaking at the Feast of Tabernacles. And one of the highlights of this feast is that the temple, uh, that whole area was illuminated so that from wherever you were in Israel, you could see everything based on the light that was in the temple. In the same way, Jesus makes this claim that he is the light of the world, by which everything else makes sense. Light reveals things. When you turn the light on, you can see things and things make sense. You won't know where to go if you don't see where you're going, right? You need to turn on the light. If you're lost in the middle of the woods, you need a light source in order to direct you where the next step is. Otherwise, you're just kind of stumbling in the dark, not sure where to go. And there's nothing to me that's, that's worse than getting lost. And back when I worked at a gas station, I had to know directions pretty well um, because people would always come to gas stations to ask for directions. And so people would always come up to me, and it would always be interesting to me because I worked on Route 9, and there'd be people that come in and say, um, excuse me, do you know how to get to Route 9? I'm like, yes, you're looking at it. And they'd tell me, no, 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 this is Route 18. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I just, I just work here. I had no, thank you for the correction, and thank you for asking me even though you knew the answer, apparently. Uh, so we always get weird cases like that. You'd have people that just wouldn't trust me just by the fact of, I guess I look really young and Asian, and I don't know. Like, they, they look at me, and I'd be like, can I help you? And like, no, no, I don't need any help. They walk by me, ask an older gentleman who works for me or works underneath me. So then he'd be like, Alan, do you know how to get to this place? I'm like, oh, they want my help, do they? Really? That's interesting because they just told me they didn't want any help. I think part of us, when we're lost, we don't want to ask for help because it's embarrassing. No guy wants to ask for help. And then there's other people that are just like, I could use all the help that I can get. I've had people come to the gas station, literally, like coming from like Maine, and like, um, can you tell me how to get to Georgia? I'm like, are you serious? You just, how do you leave your house? And be like, going to Georgia, no direction, here we go. Going south. It's the weirdest people. If you ever get a chance to work at a gas station, please. Because if you work at Starbucks, you get a very particular type of person. The person that wants the special coffee and can afford it, everyone needs gas. So you literally get the wackiest people, the richest people. It's all in between. It's very interesting. And I learned a lot about society that way. Anyway, so as I teach the word of God to you guys as a youth leader, you can trust my direction. You can, I'm telling you how to get to God, all right? So I'm telling you this is the way to Jesus. It's by reading your Bible, it's by praying, it's all these different things. I'm telling you those things. You might not trust me. You might look at me and say, well, yeah, I don't really know if I can trust that guy because he's Asian and he's young and who, what does he know about anything? But everyone who admits that they are lost also admits that there are directions to be found. If you admit you are lost, you're saying there is a right way to go. You don't just say, I'm lost. I'm like, well, here's the direction. Well, I don't think there's ever a direction. I don't think there's any way to get to where I'm going. I was like, well, then you're not really lost. You're just kind of just staying put, I guess. We can't wander around aimlessly in this life. It's impossible. No one can actually say there's no purpose to life, there's no meaning to life, and live their life that way. How do you live your life without meaning? Try it sometime. 
Oh, wait, you can't because you wake up in the morning and you go to school. Why? Because there's a meaning for you to go to school. Why do you get a job? Because there's a purpose behind you getting a job. People say, yeah, there's no meaning and there's no purpose to life, and yet they can't really live their lives in that kind of way. There's something inside of us that knows we were designed for a purpose, although we might not know what that purpose is. Some of us think that we do. All of us know that there is a purpose and direction to be found. The question is, are you willing to admit that you don't know where you're going? Say, I'm lost and I need help. I need direction. There's a movie that came out recently called Heaven is for Real. And I, I'm not advocating the movie. I'm not dissing the movie. But it brings up a good question. Do you believe that there is a heaven? Do you believe, think about this. Whether you're a Christian, whether you've grown up in the church or not, do you believe there is a literal heaven? Now, if you ask me about that movie, I think it's, I think it's, I probably shouldn't tell you what I think. It doesn't matter what I think. Um, I'm a little skeptical of those kinds of movies. Uh, especially when they says this is a true story. You better believe it and whatever. But I do believe that there's a heaven. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that when I die, I don't just go into the grave. I think that there are so many different signs in our life that shows us there is a purpose and meaning to life. And also for the life after we die. I think there's a part of us that when we think our thoughts, we know that we're not alone. We're not the only one hearing our thoughts. When you think something stupid, or you start to feel guilty, and you feel embarrassed that you even thought the thought. Why would you feel embarrassed unless you felt like someone else was listening in to what's in your head? I feel like there's signs in society and signs in our own heart that show us that there's more to this life than just living and dying. But... Do you believe that there's a, a particular way to get to heaven, if you believe that there's a heaven and hell? You can't just say all roads lead to heaven, because some people just kind of opt out on that and say, well, it doesn't really matter. Like, as long as you're genuine, as long as you're sincere, then we'll all get to the same place, I'm sure. Like, how do you apply that to anything in life? Really? You're, you're going to say, like, all roads lead to heaven. Like, what road... Uh, I mean, what scenario is there in which all roads lead to one place? It doesn't happen. Because if all roads lead to heaven, then heaven is not any particular place. If every single road leads to heaven, then heaven isn't a distinct place at all. So there must be at least one road. You see, truth itself is ex exclusive. <clears throat> and that's exactly what Jesus was saying. I am the light of the world. And this Greek word, I am, and many of you Bible scholars are like, oh, that, that's like Jehovah. I am. Yeah, when he says I am, it's saying I and I only am the light of the world. There is no other light source. It's just me. And truth is exclusive, meaning it's only one way and not another way. Every other way is just a lie. Now think about truth. The truth, one plus one equals two, means that one plus one equals two and only two, not two and a half, not two and three quarters, not three, not five, not seven. But there's so many different numbers. How do you know that one plus one can really equal two? You don't have to know all the different equations to know that one plus one equals two. All you have to know is that one plus one equals two. And that's it. In the same way, you don't have to know all the other religions, all the other belief systems to know that Jesus is the one and only way to get to heaven. And we see that uh, throughout the Bible. We see that and evidences that we can't get into to today. But today I will say that Jesus himself made this claim. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father. No one gets to heaven except through me. John 14, 6. 
when you're sick, you, you don't want to be told, oh, anything you do will just make you better, right? You go to the doctor, and you're like, doctor, what's wrong with me? He says, oh, well, I don't know, but anything you do, I'm sure will, will be fine. You can take any medicine you want. You want the right medicine to be made well. There was a couple years ago that my liver was shutting down, and my doctor didn't believe me. The first time, like, this is kind of gross, but uh, I probably shouldn't say this. Okay, bodily fluids were brown, and that was dead blood cells. I'm just telling you this because it's a medical thing, okay? Just, come on, you're in high school. Come on, people. So when you have blood, and you're like, okay, this is definitely not good. What do I do? Tell my doctor, he's like, you're just dehydrated. Drink more water. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm, I drink so much water. I'm like, there's still blood. What am I, what am I doing? And he's just like, oh, I don't know. I had to go back three times. I lost 15 pounds. I didn't eat for 10 days straight. I had such a high fever. And then finally he does a blood test. He's like, oh, your liver's shutting down. Something's wrong with you. I'm like, no, duh. He's like, my doctor. I'm never recommending him to anyone. But I go to him every single time because I don't even know why. It's like a dog returns to his vomit or something. Darn it. I hope my doctor never listens to this. <laughs> oh, boy. The point is, you go to the doctor because you want the solution. Not because you want therapy. Not because you want him to listen to you and be like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. You know what? I don't want to offend you, so I'm not going to tell the answer. You want to know how to be made well. In the same way, we come to Jesus so that we know the one and only way to be saved. So he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The light of life meaning uh, the light that produces life itself. If you're ever lost in the woods and you don't know where to go, and there's the sun out or the moon's out, the position of that light source will tell you where you are. Depending on what time of day it is, you know, the sun sets in the west, and you look at the sun and you're like, okay, I know what direction I have to go based on the sun, based on the light source. In the same way, when we look at God, it tells us where we are in life. It tells us if we're lost, if we don't know where we're going. You compare yourself not with everyone else and like, okay, how am I doing with that person? Compare yourself to the holiness of God and say, well, I think I'm a good person. Oh, wait. And I look at perfection and I realize that I fall way short of perfection. Now, if you're lost in the world, you're not a Christian, and you try to navigate your life without Jesus, nothing you ever do will ever make sense. Ultimately, at least. You may think it makes sense. Yeah, I'm going to go to this school. I'm going to go to this college. But you don't know what you're made for. You don't know what you're designed for. If you don't know the purpose of something, the best thing that you can do is misuse it. If you're an aborigine in, in Africa and you see a computer, like, wow, this is awesome, a desk. And you start using it to, like, I don't know, put things on top of it or mash buttons. You don't know how to use it because you, you don't know what it was designed to do. In the same way, God in, intricately designed you for a purpose, and only he knows what that is. The best thing that you can do otherwise is just misuse it. So, what do you do? You're lost in the woods. You're lost in the world. You're not a Christian. You're not saved. What in the world do you do? Well, you'll never know where to go if you don't know where you are. You'll never know where to go unless you know where you are. Think of being in the mall, and you're looking for your favorite store, you look at the directory. What's the first thing that you do? You look for the sign that says, you are here, right? 
it does you absolutely no good to look at a map if the map doesn't tell you where you are. You need to know where you are before you need to know uh, how to get where you're going. I had a friend who, like, I brought, with, brought him with me to Maryland, and I told this story before a long time ago. But uh, we were going down to Maryland, and I went to get coffee because this is a place called Caribou Coffee. It makes the best coffee ever. And they didn't have any parking, so I parked next door to this place that says, do not park here, we'll tow you. I was like, they're not going to tow me. It's going to be two seconds. I go, literally two seconds. My car's gone. And I'm just like, what in the world is this? I'm in Maryland. Now I need a freak out because I don't know how to get home. And I call him, like, can you please bring my car back? And like, no, I have to take a train like 10 miles up. And it was, it was terrible. But we got a friend to come and bail us. Now we're directing this woman who had no idea how to drive to come find us. And it was a nightmare. Because I'm thinking, I'm looking at a GPS and I can figure out where she is and how to get to where we are. So I'm asking her, where are you right now? Says, I see a homeless man. Yeah, do you see a homeless? I see a movie theater. Do you see a movie? No, I do not see a movie theater. Why don't you just listen to what I'm saying? Tell me where you are. It's like, I'm making a right right now. I'm like, I, that's great. I have no idea where you are, so I will not be able to direct you to where I am. You need to know, before you need to know uh, where to go, you won't know where to go until you know where you are. It's the same thing for people that are Christians and you feel lost. The easiest place to get lost, I think, is a, a place where everything looks the same. Right? You're a Christian and you're, every single day is the same. You're in a rut now. And before it was like, yeah, a new exciting thing. I'm praying every day. I'm reading my Bible every day. This is awesome. And then seven days go by. Ten days. A month. Two months. And yeah, I'm still doing it. Yeah, I'm still going. And then you're starting to feel yourself in a rut, and you're like, well, I don't, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I supposed to be going to this school? Should I be applying for this school? Should I be enrolling in this sport or this job? And when everything feels the same, you start to feel lost. It's the same thing when you're in the woods. If everything looks the same, you're like, oh, I have no idea where I am, and I don't know where to go. Well, in our daily lives, many of us are stuck in a rut, and we're not really sure how to get out. But that's okay. I share with some of you this but it just spoke to me so clearly, I want to make sure that everyone heard it. Last week in my devotions, I was reading in Exodus chapter 13, you know, Jesus, Jesus, well, God, uh, brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, and they just left Pharaoh. Pharaoh was like, fine, leave. They left. And it says something really interesting in Exodus 13. It says that God didn't bring them through the closer land, but through the farther land, the wilderness, the barren land, because if they went through the nearer land, they would have freaked out because they would have seen the Egyptians coming after them, and went back into slavery. And sometimes God brings us through the confusing, everyone look up here, the confusing, lonely, dark road that doesn't make any sense because if we saw the entire picture, we would freak out and be like, there's no way I'm signing up for this. Like Gideon, God talked to Gideon and said, hey, mighty man of valor, you're gonna do this. He didn't say, and you're gonna have like a thousand people sign up and then like, I'm going to only take 300. He didn't tell him the entire plan because he would have freaked out. Gideon had a hard enough time believing that he was the guy. and started asking for fleeces and all these different signs and wonders. God sometimes won't tell you the entire plan of your life because if he told you, you wouldn't believe him. That's what uh, Jeremiah chapter 33 says. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. But those great and mighty things comes a step by step, a step at a time. And here, 
when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he is actually referring to that very chapter in Exodus chapter 13, where it talks about the Israelites, although they went through the, the lonely, dark, weird wilderness, at the same time, they were guided by a cloud of a, a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. That light was the source. You don't need to know exactly all the details of where you're going and how the trip's going to look like. You don't have to have that planned out. You just need to know the next step is just following Jesus wherever he takes me and wherever he leads. He who follows me will not, uh, will not wander around in the dark, but have the light of life. So, for both a person who's in the world and, and the Christian alike, when you are lost, here's what you got to do. You feel lost, you feel like lonely, you have no idea what the next step is. Look at the sun. As cheesy and corny as it is, it's so cheesy and corny, you're going to remember it. When you're lost in the woods, you look at the sun. When you're lost in life, you look at the sun. Jesus Christ. Look at your creator. You have cosmic confusion about your life and where you're supposed to go. Look unto Jesus. Look unto his word. The Bible says, your word is a light to my feet and a lamp unto my path. Psalm 119 verse 105. By reading God's word, we actually get direction on where we are to go. So ask yourself always, where am I in relation to the light source? Just as you're looking at, okay, the sun's in the west, I'm going to walk this way based on where the sun is. Ask yourself, I am lost. How is my life in comparison to the life of Jesus? And that will show you where you need to go. And that's to draw near to him. Look at verse 13 with me. Pharisees therefore said to him, you bear witness of yourself, your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you don't know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am the one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, where is your father? Jesus answered, if you know neither me nor my father, if you had known me, you would known my father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. There's so much that we can take from just that, that small little portion there, but I'm just going to emphasize it by this. So he's arguing with them, and the key point is that he says to them, if you had known me, you would know the Father also. They didn't even, they thought, yeah, I know God. Yeah, I have a relationship with God. But if you don't accept Jesus, you don't have a relationship with God. There's some people in the world today say, yeah, I'm, I'm spiritual, man. Yeah, I just, I, I feel like I meditate and I just, like more and more you're getting spirituality without God and without Jesus. And what Jesus is saying, if you don't have me, you don't have any of that. You're always going to be lost. And there's nothing worse, by the way, there's nothing worse than following someone, you, those of you that drive at least, following someone who thinks they know where they're going, but they're lost. So one time I was following my friend. He was saying, oh yeah, we're going to Freehold Mall or something. It's like the first time I ever drove to the Freehold Mall. I'm following him in my car. He's driving his car. We're driving for like 45 minutes to the Freehold Mall down like this like, I don't know, this residential area, there's houses everywhere. I'm like, pretty sure this is not the Freehold Mall. And I'm like trying to flash my high beams. 
I mean, he's, and like he was not stopping because my phone was dead and I couldn't call him. And I pull him over finally. He's like, oh, I just thought like we were going up and down those hills and your high beams were just flashing because, you know, when you go up and down the hills. Or you're, you're with a friend and you're like, do you know where you're going? Like, yeah, yeah, I know where, you're, where I'm going. And you're like, you have no idea where you're going. The person who's confident is ignorant of the reality that they are lost. And that's even worse than being lost because at least if you're lost, you admit it and you know that you need to change something. But a person that thinks that they have it all together is in the worst place to be. Look at verse 21. Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews, says, the Jews said, will he kill himself because he says, where I go, you cannot come? And he said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a time limit to your seeking. And this is something that's kind of scary. In that, if you continually reject Jesus over and over and over and over, there's no guarantee that you're ever able to just change your mind. If you keep on hardening your heart to the gospel, you keep on rejecting the gospel... There might come a day in which God just lets you have your way. Says, you know what? You're not willing to receive me. You're not willing to repent. We see that happen with Pharaoh in the Old Testament. And either way, there will be a day called Judgment Day in which Jesus comes back and there will be no more pursuing. Just judgment based on either what you've done or your trust in God. What you've done in life or what you've done with Jesus Christ. And so everyone will be held accountable to that. Don't wait till your deathbed to think about these things. Like, I don't really know if Jesus is, is, is really God or not. Don't wait till you're like 80 years old, because you might not even get to be 80 before you, your time is up. So time is short. Look at verse 25. Then they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I've been saying to you from the beginning, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I had heard from him. They didn't understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please him. Can you say that about your life? I always do the things that please God. It's a difficult thing to say. And I can't say that, but Jesus was that person. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. You know, he also says earlier about how he has not come to judge. And when he talks about that, it's because Jesus did not come to the world to judge the world at that time, but through him, people might have salvation. He's saying, this is the time that I'm calling, but there will be a judgment day. There will be a day where you will be accountable for your sins. Look at verse 31. Then Jesus said to the, those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Then they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? So these Jewish leaders are saying to Jesus, Look, we've never been slaves. And I'm like, Really? Pretty sure you were a slave in Egypt. Pretty sure you were captured by Babylonians. And right now you're serving Rome. What are you talking about? I've never, but 
this is exactly what sin does. Oh, I can stop anytime I want. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool. I'm strong. Especially, what, what really worries me is the fact that the verse right before that, in verse 30, it says, As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Many of us are listening to different things that the world is saying. And we're holding on to them. Yeah, that song resonates with me. Yeah, I, I really resonate with that, what that singer said and what they're going through with their breakup or whatever. Or this poet or the spoken word artist. And you're holding on to those things because they resonate with you. And you're like, that really makes sense. But realize only the word of God is truth with no corruption at all. He says, now you're living a lot of different words. But if you continue in my word, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You can't say that about anything else in this life, by the way. You hear psychology, you're like, well, maybe if I try this, you listen to modern medicine, like maybe this will cure me. There's no guarantee. There's only one guarantee that if you follow it, you'll never fail. And that's Jesus Christ. Because knowing the truth will set you free. And that's the condition though. Truth will make you free, but you got to abide in his word. You got to live in it. You got to continue in it. There's a couple things to notice in this passage here. First of all, in order to be freed, we must live in God's word. Doesn't mean that you're just kind of like, yeah, I read my Bible once last year. That's enough. You got to continue. Doesn't matter how mature you are in Jesus, every single day we need to be living in that word. It has to be constantly on our heart. The Bible says in Psalm 119 verse 11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Because listen, like it is so easy to forget. It is so easy to fall into a spiritual coma. And one day you're like, wow, how did I drift that far? Why did I make that bad? Who am I? Why am I doing these things? It's because we're forgetting that whoever commits sin habitually, whoever does these sins and can't stop, you are a slave to sin. It's not like you just, I can stop any time. And that's another point. Slavery feels like freedom until you try to leave. A slave can, and back in those days especially, slavery back in those days wasn't like slavery that we know of in uh, the Western world. Slavery was just like, they didn't have credit cards. So like when you went into debt, it's like, all right, I'm just going to serve you for seven years. And that's it. And so sometimes it'd be a good gig. And you get in like a rich person's house, man, you get some good food. And like you just, you're basically like a housemate. It's awesome. It's like, and you don't have to be poor. You get a place to stay. You get food. And you, all you have to do is just serve this household. And it doesn't feel like, like some of you might be living in slavery and like, yeah, it's not, not that bad. I can stop anytime I want until you try to leave. It's like, um, excuse me, you're a slave to sin. There's no way that you're able to escape this without the power of God, without the truth setting you free. Second, uh, thirdly, living in God's word proves that we are his disciples. You say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Are you living in God's word? Are you reading your Bible? Are you meditating on his word day and night? Your words I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. May the meditation, uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. Fourthly, if you do not live in God's word, you do not know the truth. If you are not living in God's word, I'm sorry, you don't know the truth. And the worst part about that, by the way, is that you'll be deceived by lies that seem true, half-truths, 
all these people that are telling you nice things that appeal to your emotions, and you won't know who you're supposed to trust because you're so easily deceived. Can you think of a particular sin that you always find yourself struggling with? Maybe you're that person who can never get in the habit of reading their Bible. It's just every single time that you're trying, like, no, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to try harder, and you just can't seem to do it. Or maybe you're a person that just can't keep lust out of their mind. You just try and try and try, and it's like it just can't because it feels like you're a slave to sin. And you ask yourself, where is my free will in this situation? It doesn't seem like I have free will. It doesn't seem like I, like, has God really given me free will? Or maybe God doesn't care about me, about me. Maybe he just is destining, like he's predestined me to not accept him or something. Like that's the fear that you can have when you feel like you're a slave to sin, but that's simply not true. You do have free will. Free will is not the, the ability to do anything. Free will is the ability to do otherwise. So it's not like, um, let's say that you're locked up in a gas chamber and you're about to die. And you're like, I have no free will because I'm not able to escape. No, you don't have the free will to leave. You don't have the ability to escape, but you do have an ability to choose how you die. Whether you're praying, whether you're sitting, you know, sitting down, standing up. You always have the ability to do otherwise. So take that analogy, as weird as it is, it's off the top of my head. When you feel stuck in sin, you always have a choice to look at Jesus Christ. You always have the choice to look at God, to abide in his word. No matter how trapped you feel, you can always surrender yourself to God. And that's what enables you to be set free. It's his truth. It's his word that brings you out of bondage. Think about Peter. The Apostle Peter, it's a weird scenario. He's talking to Jesus and, Jesus, and he says to Jesus, you know what? Even if everyone else forsakes you, I will not do that. I would even die for you. And what does Jesus say? He says, Peter, before the rooster crows tonight, you will deny me three times. Now, pay attention very carefully right now. Put yourself in Peter's position. Jesus the God of the universe has just told you, hey, Joe Schmo, Mike, Chris, you are going to deny me tonight. How would you feel? Oh, well, I guess he's right. I guess I am going to sin. Are you going to tell him he's wrong? The God of the universe who's always right tells you you're going to not, you're not going to feel like you have free will. Where's my free will? Where's Peter's free will? God just says, oh, no, uh, you're wrong. I guess you can't be wrong, so I'm going to deny you. What does that mean? Does that mean that Jesus, like, usurped his free will and it's gone now? No. What this means is that Jesus knew Peter better than Peter knew himself. And the same is for you. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. And because of that, that's why it's important to surrender ourselves to him. Because... God could have very much so circumvented Peter's free will, I'm sure, and be like, okay, I'm going to force you to not deny me or something like that. But Peter was not willing. Peter didn't want to surrender himself to God. And because of that, he became a slave to sin. Look at verse 37 with me. Almost done here. Jesus says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. You might want to underline that because that is the key here is you will seek 
to kill, to destroy, to rebel against God when his word does not have a place in your heart. I speak what I have seen with my father and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham's our father. What are you talking about? My, what are you talk, why are you talking about my daddy? Jesus said to him, if you're Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham didn't do this. You, you do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we are not born of fornication. We have one father, God. So now they're starting to really insult him. They're, you can sense it. Like they're getting angry. Basically, they say to Jesus, at least we know who our dad is. Because the whole rumor, you know, as Jesus grew up, is that uh, Jesus was born uh, out of fornication. It wasn't that Mary really, like, really think people believed Mary when Mary says, oh, no, I'm pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Like, a lot of people all throughout Jesus' life made fun of him. And so they start to bring that to the surface. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why don't you believe me? He who is of God hears God's words, therefore you do not hear, because you are not of God. All that to say, one of the greatest tragedies of lying all the time, making that your habit, is not so much that you deceive others, but that you yourself can't believe the truth. When you make a habit of lying to everyone that you know, like, oh, I didn't do that, why would you say that to me? Because you are so used to lying, you are unable to trust anyone else and believe truths because you assume that everyone else is just like you. And that's why he says, you cannot believe my word because you are of your father, the devil, who is a murderer from the beginning. He's a liar from the beginning, which always brings up the most interesting question that many of you are probably too tired to, to get into today, but it's one of the most interesting questions I've ever asked myself. Is it ever okay to tell a lie? What do you think? Is it ever okay to lie? What do you think? Tell me. Raise your hand. Yes. If you're put in a situation that you can harm someone. Are there times in the Bible where people lied and it was okay? Yes, Dana. That's a great example. So you have in the Holocaust, people were there hiding Jews. And as they were doing that, the Nazi Gestapo would knock on the door. Do you have any Jews in your household? And it seemed kind of weird if it say, yeah, I have some in my basement. And it seems wrong to say that that's the right answer, right? Even if that means telling the truth. For the example with the Jews, I think that we say that they should have lied, but the thing is, we don't know what would have happened if they told the truth. There's many examples of people who, when they're asked, do you have Bibles, when they're not allowed to bring Bibles in the countries, and they tell the truth, and the people's eyes are totally blind to what they just said. And so, 
when the Gestapo comes and asks, are you hiding Jews? We don't know. Maybe they, if they said yes and were truthful, they could have just overlooked it or God could have done a greater work. And I think that God's commandments, there's no um, exceptions to what God says. So, Amen. Thank you, Pastor Joe. Um, here's the thing. There's no easy answer to this one. And this is something that people debate about for a long time. What I have seen is that most people, when they lie, what they're doing is they're trying to take control of a situation. If I do not lie, this will happen, just as Joe said. And so anytime that you lie, think about any time. You're always trying to make yourself look better. You're trying to defend someone else. Like, are you guys throwing a surprise party for me? No! Why would we do that? Why are you saying it? Why are you lying? It's because you're trying to help the person out. If I don't, if I tell them the truth, this is what will happen. Telling the truth is surrendering the future to God. It's saying, you know what? It's in his hands. And regardless of what happens from here on forward, I'm going to obey the Lord. There are times in which lying has been uh, used. Not saying it's been okayed and God's like, yeah, I'm down with you lying. You know, Rahab lied about the, the spies that were in Jericho. We see the midwives when all the babies were going to be killed by King Pharaoh. Um, all these different scenarios that you see. But it's not like God says, and it was okay that they lied. So, another topic for another time. But what I do want to point out tonight is, who is the father of all lies, according to this verse? Satan. Every single lie uh, traces back to Satan. And in the very beginning, the very first thing that Satan did is that he questioned, did God really say? And so we'll often look at the truth and say, well, I don't really know. Like, should I tell the truth or should I not tell the truth? I've just gotten to the point in my life where I'm like, I just need to correspond to the truth because that's who Jesus is. Even when you don't know what to do and what the right answer is, you know, pray about it, obviously, but seek to tell the truth. And the truth will set you free from what situation you're in. Verse 48, and we'll close with this. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not rightly say that you are Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I don't have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, Now we know you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets, and you say, If anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? And the prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I don't know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And the Jews said to him, You're not 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say, say to you, Before Abraham was... I am, which as we know is the very name of God given to us in Exodus chapter 3 when God was spoken, spoken, <laughs> speaking, just trying to wake you up, when he was on a bicycle with spokes. No, when he spoke to Moses at the burning bush, he said, this is the name that I will be remembered throughout the generations. I am that I am. And so Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. And he uses that word. And th then as soon as he said that, that's when everyone's like, oh man, he just committed blasphemy because he claimed to be God. 
Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Here's what you need to know. Jesus either was the truth or he was a liar. It's not like he could have been a pretty good person. He claims ex exclusivity. He said, trust in me and me alone. I am the light of the world. No one else is. If you put your trust in any other person, they'll fail you. But I am the person that will never fail you. If you're lost and you need to know where to go, look to me, no one else. Because there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. If you're a person who's lost today and you know that this is true, put your trust in Jesus. If you're a person who's not sure if this is true, ask, pray, seek, knock and the door will be opened to you. Pray the prayer, Lord, I don't really know if this is you or not. Can you show yourself? Can you make yourself real to me? But most of all, let us ask that question every single person. If you are lost today, you're feeling lonely, you're feeling like you're just kind of like you have no idea what to do and where to go. Like verse 37 says, does God's word have a place in your heart? If his word is not in your heart, you're not meditating on it. If you're not looking at the Bible, you're not going to know the truth. You're going to remain a slave to sin. If you want to be set free, you want to know where to go, then look to Jesus. No matter where you are, no matter how far away you are from the sun, you can always look to him and know how to get there and know where you're going. Let's pray. Father.